Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sometimes needing new tires can catch us by surprise. That's why tire power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tirepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Welcome to Crunch Time. Tapelli kept his feet outside of the boots. It's ominous signs already at Marvel Stadium. The dogs have kicked three. Zebel bends it and goals it. Hands it to Ford. Spins out of trouble. Ripper. Three in a row. North Melbourne. Norton won the tap. He's back after it. The right foot snap from Norton. How about that for a bit of play? Waitman's about to pounce on it. He nodded to his advantage. Dances inside. One of the goals of the afternoon. It's a good Friday for the Dogs, 21-13, 139 to 11-5, 71. It was a little bit disconcerting um, after quarter time and no, no doubt the Kangaroos found an edge in their game to challenge us that little bit more, but we went away from some of the fundamental things that, that worked well for us in the game. So, you know, we're always searching for the perfect game and there was a lot right about uh, this afternoon. We can't choose as beggars. Um, for absolute perfection, but yeah, some really really good things in it, but there's some things we really need to work on too. There are a lot of other clubs that haven't actually hit the mark on those marquee games, and you know, over a period of time, you're able to wrestle things together, improve their performance, and so therefore those marquee games hold. So we're fighting like tooth and nail on this game. We love this game, we're very privileged to play in this game, um, but yeah, we, we would not expect to lose this game. The Dogs show signs of life on Good Friday after winning big yet again against North Melbourne on the back of five goals from Cody Waitman and Aaron Norton. But after another smashing, do the Roos deserve to keep that marquee time slot? Bell out of midair. Ricochet bowl. Oh, what a goal. What a goal from Bell. 17 minutes into the second quarter. West Coast get their first score in the game. The Sydney Swans have done it again in the West. You know, the first 10 minutes last week we were pretty strong and then we just, you know, north to their credit kept pushing hard and it was it was a you know, solid performance to start off the first first quarter like that away. Um, we know that the crowd's big over here and um, strong hometown support and it's important to, to get out of the blocks early and we're able to do that. You don't want to make excuses and we're not going to, so we'll just, uh, we'll just accept what's happened tonight as a really disappointing night and um, we've got a lot of work to do. With uh, the direction in which we're going, we're on a path. We're not going to have success every week, but we want to be competitive. The Eagles were embarrassed at home, failing to register a single score until 17 minutes into the first quarter against the Swans. The question remains, could John Longmire's men be in premiership contention this year? I'm leaving now because it feels right. Um, Right for the AFL, right for me, right for my family. Put his back pumping with a uh, clear pan for continued growth, and you know, I feel good about that. I feel it's the right time to close out the stuff we need to do this year. You know, we're not happy with that decision, but completely supportive of it. If you get the sense. Quietly, we're having discussions with with broadcasting. Those we'll do. We'll, we'll do a new broadcast here this year. 
That's obviously huge. We'll have arrangements with our men and women players. We'll do new CBAs that will we'll flow from that and we'll contemplate that. And there, those discussions will be picked up in the coming days. The club funding model that it will actually then contemplate all those arrangements, including hopefully have an interface with the the uh, men's and women's CBAs, and obviously Tasmania, and then you know the team will land the operational stuff this year. So that that's the agenda that's Richard put in front of me, and we just yeah decided to be explicit about that today because that's that's the job in front of us. Dylan McLaughlin's reign as AFL boss will come to an end after eight years in the hot seat, successfully guiding the AFL through the recent COVID turbulence. But there are plenty of things left on his, on his agenda, as you just heard, before the end of 2022, most notably the decision on Tasmania, that important broadcast deal, and a historic joint collective bargaining agreement. It's a load to talk about. This is the Easter Saturday Round 5 edition of Crunch Time. G'day everybody, welcome to the show on a beautiful Saturday morning here in Melbourne town. Hopefully you're having a great Easter wherever you might be tuning in from. If you're in this nick of the woods and coming into uh, Marvel Stadium, enjoy the sunshine while you can because on this magnificent day where it's going to be 25 or 26 degrees outside, we're going to be closing the roof. We don't want these magnificent conditions in here. We want it in a, under a roof and we want <laughs> perfect conditions for TV broadcast because that's what it's all about. Uh, Annie Marr in for Jared Whateley, who's enjoying a well-earned Easter break with his family. Dermot, I don't know why I can't enjoy one as well. I'll be nicking down the beach to catch up with my clan after this, but lovely to see you. Good morning. Uh, morning. Yes, yes, we're still in the morning, aren't we? Yeah. We what a uh, weekend so far. Three games. And normally you make a review, but if I can use what I think is the correct terminology, mm. we've got three games to unpack. Yeah. There's a big difference between a, a review and unpacking them, and that's what I think... Uh, Perhaps three sides need. Anything in particular that you want to spend some time unpacking? Yeah, each one needs a little time unpacking, so let's not use up all the time. Well, let's not do that. Brent Sanderson joining us here on Crunch Time as well. Lovely to see you, Sando. Yeah, thanks, Andy. And a little bit like Derm, how good is it? We've already had three three games. It's Saturday morning, and we've already had the three games in, and it finishes. I always love the Easter the yes, Easter um, weekend of footy because you finish <laughs> with that awesome game, that Hawthorne-Geelong game on the Monday. But there's some rippers in there. I'm looking forward to seeing the Bombers and Dockers on Sunday. Um, Carlton Port Adelaide's really interesting as well coming up on, on Sunday. And, and even today, I'm looking forward to seeing the Saints. They've had, they've had six really good quarters. Mm. They've, um, they've hit some, some red-hot form. And the Suns, um, I saw them a couple of weeks against the Giants, against the Giants and they were poor, mm. but obviously had that great win against the Blues last week up at Metricon. So there's some really good footy to come still on this Easter weekend. Saints have got gears, haven't they? They have, they've, yeah. they've, They can find a... They can find a level. Well, they they're, the, they're, they're the number one scoring side in the mm. AFL at the moment. They're averaging over 100 points per, per game, which um, And that's which for getting really pleased in round one. That's right. They were, they were really flat and disappointing in round one um, here at Marvel against, uh, against Collingwood. So their last three weeks has been good, but in particular, Dern, their last six quarters, their last quarter against Richmond, and then obviously last week um, they were, they were uh, super. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good growth, um, but... They need to take the next step again, I think, today. Wouldn't be crunch time without him. Luke Hodge joins us. Hodge, great to have you with us on Easter Saturday. All the best to you and your family, mate. What's, um, what's raising your eyebrows so far in round five? Uh, good morning, Eddie, Sando and Derm. Uh, look, I, uh, I'm a little bit the same as, as Sando. I was lucky enough to, to do the Thursday night game, but I guess to finish off the week with, with the history that Hawthorne of Geelong have had 
uh, over the years. That's always a belter. But I oh know the build-up on on Thursday night was quite good with with Collingwood, who were were an undermanned team. A uh, lot of injuries up in their forward line. They brought in a lot of tall timber, which I I didn't think it was going to work with the conditions, the slippery conditions that you normally get up in Queensland. But I tell you what, they um, they're fighters. That team, uh, even with yeah. the injuries, they battled. It wasn't look, it wasn't a pretty game of football by any means. There was a lot of mistakes made, but I think that was due to to the pressure of both teams. And and I walked away going, but once Collingwood gets their team up and running, they're they're not going to be a team that's going to be taken lightly. They're going to they're going to fight it through, and then. I guess I'll, the last two games yesterday were, were the ones you sit back and, and I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't sit back. I couldn't sit back and watch the full entirety of both games. Um, but unfortunately, you, you get some of those games with, with the schedules. Hodgie, oh, I watched that. Well, we all watched that game on Thursday night and I looked at it and the first thing I saw when the teams came out, I went, this is the tallest team I think I've <laughs> ever seen on paper. They had five blokes, six foot six or taller, and then they still had key position players who were around the six foot four, six foot five mark, like uh, um, the, the boys that were out there. Oh, Howell, yeah, and, the yeah, Kruger. Yeah, and, yeah, Kruger. Yeah. Uh, they had Cox. them everywhere. And I thought, if they're competitive, they, it isn't going to be enough. They're going to get overrun by a team which is going to be able to run home really strongly against a, a team of so-called giants, that is going to lack running power, leg power, late in the quarter. Did they go in too big, or is that all they had at their disposal? Yeah, well, that was going to be the question. And if you look at Collingwood's last two weeks, it's probably running out of game of footballs where they really struggled. Their last two um, four qu- fourth quarters haven't been ideal. But you're right, with the, with the heights, we've got Kruger 196, Cameron 204, Cox 211, McGuinness 194, uh, and then you've also got Grundy, 213. And even the blokes of like a Tom William, uh, Wilson, who, who uh, was another, he's, he's a 194 as well. So you sort of sat back, and, and that was the question I was sort of looking at, is with the Lions, they, they can move the ball really quickly, and fitness, especially with that humidity as well, isn't an issue with, for them. But look, t- t- to Collingwood's credit, um, their, their forwards actually worked all right. McInnes, he hit, he hit up, and when you watch an old-style full forward, you know, there's a lot of forwards these days who get a bit of a mismatch and just want to kick it nice and long, put it on my head. But that's how teams like to defend. They want to drop off and come third man in. Uh, McInnes, the number of times where he let up at the football and got got some nice, I think Penelbury a couple of times, hit him on, on some leads up the middle of the ground. But then also the blokes like Kruger. Um, haven't seen a, much of him play, uh, but geez, he had a crack. Like When the ball was on the ground, his agility, uh, I think him and um, Darcy Cameron, uh, sorry, Darcy Gardner got into a bit of a scuffle on the wing and he actually... Mm. He, he showed, uh, he showed over, Darcy he? how strong. And I'd, I'd <laughs> actually, I'd, I'd, I'd played footy against Darcy. Uh, I knew Darcy from when he was a kid, um, and also played played a couple of years with him and coached him for a couple of years. And I'd, I haven't seen him lose a fight. And I that was Hodgie. I was looking at that and thought, <laughs> the worst thing you can do in footy is a bloke's lying on the ground on his back. The ball's elsewhere, so you're just in a straight out wrestle. You're standing over the bloke and you're giving him curry. Uh-huh. Blink, and somehow you're on your back, and he's standing over you. There is no more embarrassing nope. moment. If you're willing to fly the flag physically, there is no more embarrassing moment if you're saying, I'm a tough guy, and he puts you on your back from the start of him being on his back. I reckon Darcy would have run away from that, Hodgie, and gone, won't be trying that again. I like the smarts of Kruger because it was on the wing. Guess where Kruger went straight afterwards? In a chain. He, he went straight to the bench. So Darcy's turned around. Darcy goes, for the next five minutes, he could not breathe. He goes, the wrestle took that much out of him. And he turns around, Kruger goes to the bench, 
and then Kruger comes back on five minutes later. He's full of energy, and Darcy's still trying to catch his breath. So oh, that, that was just one of the tussles that was sort of it – was, it was a really entertaining game. As I said, it didn't really hit the, the peak that, that you, you'd like with skills and, and that kind of stuff. But as far as the endeavour of Collingwood, their push, and, and even the start of the last quarter – Look, they gave themselves so many chances to try and get back in front and hit the lead. They just couldn't really convert. And then Brisbane, in the space of a minute, minute and a half, put on a couple of goals and just got that little bit of a breather. I reckon Kruger's a meat-and-three-veg type player I think too. Right? I don't think, when he's got the ball, he's not all that creative. It's fairly straight lines going forward, but yeah, he's good to watch. It won't be the last time we talk about Darcy Gardner. Sando, talking just on this game, and we'll get back to elements of it um, throughout the show today, but and coming you two obviously, but Dugowie kicks his fourth at the twenty-eight minute mark. They're back to two goals. Dugowie is there most likely. If they're, if they're going to pinch one, it, it's probably going to be. Most of us think Dugowie's the one that can haul us out of the fire. He kicks his fourth. It, it comes to pass that there's about five and a half minutes of game time left after he kicked his fourth. He goes straight to the bench, runs up, does the rotate. Now we know the modern game and we understand where footy's at. But surely if there was ever a time where the message comes out and says, no, no, Geordie, run it out to the siren, surely that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, and having sat in those Collingwood match committees for five years, that was the number one question we had at the start of each match committee was how are we going to use Dugowie this week? Um, we saw flashes of brilliance again on Thursday night. I mean, his, um, his time in the midfield is so important. He's almost like a, like a mid-forward. He... Yep. He yep. plays in the front half as a, as a midfielder, similar, I guess, to Dusty Martin, the way that he plays for Richmond and the way that Dangerfield plays for Geelong. Sort of like at Sydney doing that last night too. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and he's, I mean, four goals, he's so important. But it's interesting because we just need a bit more consistency, I think, from Jordan Dugowie. Like, he's, he's got so much class. He's absolutely brilliant when, when Collingwood need him. But you're right, Andy, it was a strange one. It was just, it just, just put him out back in the forward line and sit him in the goal Just square. And especially when, with all those tools too, I was watching thinking we, that Collingwood just needed a bit more aerial presence, you know, even though there was so many tools out there. And I love Kruger. I think, I think he's going to be something to really build on. And you look at Cameron and Cox and Grundy, mm. and then you've got Majacek to come back into the side. And what I was scratching my head a little bit on selection was Majacek was out, Elliot's out injured. They left out Henry. Um, so there's there's your three leading goal scorers for the for the, for the season who are out of the side, and they rested um, Jack Ginnivan for the, for this round too. So I wasn't really sure where the goals were going to come from, and Kruger kicks two, Dugowie kicks four. Um, Collingwood did so much right in this game, and they were really undermanned. And to to only to only lose that game, I know there was a goal right on the siren, but to only lose by seven points um, was a was a pretty proud moment, I reckon, for the Collingwood fans because it feels like even though that's I think their third loss in a row, they've it feels like they're going to build, and, and a little bit like what Hodgie said, I think, I think it's not a rebuild, but I think the, the rebranding of Collingwood's going to be really fast. Hodgie, you're the most recent of the, of the three of you who's been out there playing. Can a senior player like Dugowie at a moment like that, even if he sees the message come from the bench, come, how much latitude do you have to say, no, 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 I'm staying? Oh, I think that, I personally, what I've seen with coaches, they... they give the ownership to the players. And if it's in the middle of the third quarter and it's a t- chance for a rotation, you, you come off because that's just what you do. But when the game's in the line and you're a senior player, you've kicked four, you sort of say, no, nah, I'm feeling good. You give the runner just a bit of a wink and say, I'm, I'm happy to stay out here because yeah. that's what you're there for. Like the, If you look through, and Seno just sort of said, the, 
who was likely to kick with with the other guys that are out? Elliot's probably one who normally stands up and goes, well, I'll, I'll kick a couple in the like late or take a few chances here or there. But Elliot was the only really danger one with with the four tools they had down there. I know Cameron went off injured, but at the drop of the ball, they were getting their hands to a lot, but they weren't clunking a lot of them. And I would have been uh, the the first person would have been to keep him on the ground. So uh, I think it's just a habit of what they do now. I know Marcus Adams kicked his first goal for the Lions. And what did he do? He ran straight to the bench as well. So Strong. it seems to be just that, that habit. As soon Threw as out their balance in, down back. <laughs> as, as, soon as, you, as soon as there's a break in play and you've done something, um, and normally after you kick a goal, you've had a few burst efforts that you're tired and they say, well, come off and have that break. But when the game's in the line and you've got your most exciting goal sneak out there, but you, surely you just push him and tell him to stay out there and finish off the game. Just, to, I don't think Collingwood were that far off. You know, mm. some people say, well, agree, the, the, the last goal might have glorified the score a little bit. But what, the way I look at it, the kid McInnes, I thought, Hodgie, and you made mention of him just previously, I thought he was the only one who showed true forward craft in Collingwood's half of the ground. And Durham, he's actually a midfielder, so they actually played him there out of necessity. He, he was drafted as an inside mid, so yeah. he wouldn't have any forward craft. Well, he ran at the ball kicker. Everyone yeah, he, else he basically good. said, there's space to my left, there's space to my right, or I've got a one-on-one, kick it on my head, or kick it to the hot spot, and we'll gather there. There was no one who really had forward craft, and I, you know... My check will fix that. He'll at least be able to make space behind him by hitting the wings and the likes. But I actually thought their their ball usage, their synergy between where they launched from, somewhere around the middle of the ground, and inside 25, I thought was really average. And the only one who changed that was McInnes, Mm. who let it the ball carrier and forced the kicker to actually hit him up. Everyone else just said, kick it to that zone or that region and we'll compete. It'll be be frustrating as a Collingwood supporter, though, at the moment, because you look at that forward line, Derm, and the midfield looks pretty deep, and the defence, I think, is is where they're really solid. Solid enough, yep. When you've got Moore and Howe, Maynard's a great player. They throw Nick Dacos into there, who's taking him forward. Quain is a really good player. They've just got to find another key forward... um, We've just talked about all the key forwards they played. Yeah, but it yeah, feels yeah. like they need to settle that down. Get my check back. Get Elliot back. Um, Ginevan and Henry look like they're you know really really talented young kids. It's just the last piece of the puzzle, I think, because the contested ball, that um, the aggression they're showing now under McRae is is really good. It's 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 excellent. They're tackling pressure and the way it they're, is good, isn't it? They're they're, um, they're, they're predictive. Uh, sorry, uh, they're very predictable when they go forward with the footy forward yep. or the centre, as I say, except for when, when McInnes ran it yep. at the ball carrier. The, the backmen love it. Jeez. Marcus Adams and Harris Andrews, they want the ball with more than three three seconds hang yeah, time, hang time on yep. it. Yeah. 194 and 87 he was listed at at the start of the season, Ruth McInnes, yep. inside midfielder, you reckon? No, he the is, game's yeah. changed. Oh, he has, yeah. you look at you look at the modern-day mids now, like Patrick Cripps, he... Yeah. He's actually he's actually bigger than Derm, yeah. you know, and Derm's Derm was obviously one of the best centre forwards of all time. Look, but Cripps plays inside mid. Yep, and, and, and they get the opportunities as well. Yep. Their last so three they're games, so they're getting the opportunities as well. Moving forward, as you said, they just need to be a bit more effective. The last three games have had 61, 62, and fifty nine inside fifty. So mm. for a team that's doing so much around and, and winning that in and under ball, the transition, as we see, is so much more exciting. Or it's really lifted a gear. It's just about finishing all the hard work that gets done up the field.
Uh, we're at marbles. 62 inside 50s. Now, yeah. you should be able to have enough practice by the 61st <laughs> you to know how to best, right. you should be getting it how right. to best get to the <laughs> yes. spot. We're at Marvel Stadium. We were here yesterday for the Good Friday game, the first of the two North Melbourne hosting the Western Bulldogs. It was a romp in the first quarter for the Doggies. Uh, Zane Cordy started forward. He's going to be joining us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch Time. Marvel Stadium yesterday, particularly in the first quarter where doggy, doggy fans would have been coming here or tuning in to see how they were going to respond after the disappointing performance the week before against Richmond. What well, was an emphatic statement made by the Western Bulldogs in the first quarter. The numbers are off the charts in terms of what they did to North Melbourne here yesterday. Zane Cordy was one of the significant moves that Luke Beveridge and the coaching staff pulled. They threw him forward in a revamp forward setup. Uh, and he was part of a forward line that responded, and he's been good enough to join us on the show. Zane, thanks for joining us on Crunch Time, mate. Appreciate your time. Thanks, boys. Good morning to you all. When did you find out? Well, take us inside the match committee and the communication with you, particularly during the week in terms of um, where you were going to line up against North Melbourne and, and the thinking behind it all. Um, I actually found out pretty late, to be honest. Um, would have been uh, Wednesday Arvo, I found out. Because um, I, yeah, I was just coming back from concussion, so I uh, didn't really know where I was going to play. But yeah, they sort of said, "Oh, you're in the forwards meeting this week. Um, you're most likely playing tall forward as a bit of a support act to uh, Norton and Jamara." Zane, Timmy O'Brien coming in and playing in the back line has afforded the doggies, I would think, the luxury of playing you. Up in the forward line, as, as Jamara still finds his feet as a support act to Aaron Norton? Yeah. Um, yeah, Timmy's been a oh, great asset coming into the team. Um, obviously, he's got a bit of wealth of experience after being at Hawthorne for a few years. And, um, no, he's been really good down there. Um, he's been going quite well with uh, Ryan Gardner. So, um, yeah, it was nice to go down forward and uh, get a look at kicking a few goals, which is nice. One of the hardest, and people don't realise how difficult it is, the, the hardest position to play on the ground is support act to a rampaging key forward, which Aaron Norton seems to be at the moment. What was your charter? What, what did you have inside your head? How am, I, how am I going to play this? Let us in on that. Um, yeah, I was basically just trying to block for Norton as much as possible. Um, obviously, like you said, he's a... It's a pretty uh, elite form at the moment, so um, more just get out of his way and then if I can, put a little block on him, just give him a free run and jump and then maybe just get a little drop of ball here and there um, if he doesn't quite mark one and then, yeah, go from there. But, yeah, mainly just uh, block to the big foul and let him, let him go for a jump. Because it is difficult, isn't it? Because if you don't get dangerous enough, your man's just going to say, well, he's, an, an, he's just trying to pull the wool over my eyes. I'm going to peel off and go to Norton. You've got to get dangerous enough so that you drag your man with you, uh, and yet you don't want the ball not to go to the bloke who's actually in the dangerous position. Exactly. But you've got to stay relevant. Cause you um, lead into skinny patterns or away from the ball. Um, majority of the defenders these days are smart enough just to drop off, and they'll, they'll sit in the hole and either, yeah, take it. Mark or crunch naughty as you're trying to go up. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fine balance between 
staying relevant and also trying to help out the big fella. Zane, what about, um, obviously last night was a huge confidence boost for, for the club and it felt like what hasn't been a great start for the first four rounds. You guys know you're a good side. The industry knows you're a good side. Talk us through the, I guess, the anxiety at, at the club during the week as you're preparing to, to come out and play round five because you need to get back to your best and thankfully we saw that last night. Yeah, I think it's it's been a oh, frustrating probably first four weeks um, because the effort's been there, the intensity's been there. We just haven't been uh, putting it on the scoreboard um, and using our ball movement as way we wanted to. So um, I think this this week was more just to sort of free our minds, um, get back to what we know we do well, which is at the contest and then spread from there. And then... Yeah, as you saw in the first quarter, it sort of all blossomed from that initial contest and then we saw the fruits of it and everyone saw how dangerous we can be. Yeah, so we uh, post-grand finals, I think sometimes coaches feel it more than what players do, especially once pre-season have started. And Bebo had a pretty stressful start to the season. Have you noticed a difference in him in the last two or three weeks? Because I saw in the press conference after the game, he brought his son in just to uh, just to make it a little bit light-hearted and, and you could sort of see the softer side of Bebo. Yeah, I think he's... Um, it's, it's a stressful job, head coach. As you all know, the um, head coach is... They got a lot of pressure on him. Um, they can go a little bit crazy at times. So, um, <laughs> no, it, was good to, it was good for Bebo to sort of just... He sort of relaxed this week, sort of, in a sense, let us do what we need to do. Gave us a few pointers here and there, but he's like, we just need to get back to why we are a good side, what makes us a good side, do the basics well, and then the fruit will blossom from there. And and it did on the weekend, except probably apart from the second quarter. Probably went away for what was working. Um, and we let North Melbourne in a bit, but I think... Apart from that, we had three three very good quarters. How, Zane how Cordy, you, yes. co- sorry, Hodgie, keep going, mate. Sorry. Um, how is he with coaching-wise? A lot of you hear from these days that it's player-driven. They go and have a lot to say about the game plan, game style. Um, is Bevo, does it Bevo come and ask questions of the senior players or is it up to the senior players to go and talk to him to throw up ideas? Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, we obviously, we, we give him some uh, honest feedback when we think plans aren't going the way they should or he's probably changing too much to our game plan um, depending on week to week so um, yeah it's a little bit of vice versa but yeah he's heavily involved in our game plan but in the end it, it is up to us to uh, implement it and um, yeah get the four points so he, he does a little bit but majority of it is up to us well senior players and most players to get it done. Zane does he, is he a builder of siege mentalities is he that type does he close ranks um, you know, and it, it seems to get him when he does get a bit prickly and get into strife, and he does have an antagonistic relationship with the media. Is that where it comes from? Is he very much an, an us against them type builder of, of that environment? Um, not necessarily. I think he's just he just has a great care for his players, which is um, hmm. one of the things we do do love about him. He just cares about us. Um, and obviously, yeah, coaches get emotional. Um, he had a dig at the media a few times, which um, which he apologised for. Um, but I think the main thing is he just cares for us. Um, yeah. Cares for our well-being. And, 
Yeah, which is good because we uh, we we appreciate the support because sometimes it's a hard game. Um, it's a hard game at times, and it's hard for a coach to uh, hear media pot his players. But you know, he's uh, he's learning from his mistakes. But yeah, he's, he's, yeah that's amazing. That's great. Zane, we have a fascination with key forwards in this competition and we have an even greater fascination with number one draft picks. What is it that Jamara, that you've seen at training, that he's not producing game day? Um, I think, yeah, I think at the moment he's, uh, he's still just trying to find that timing of his leap. At the moment he's probably maybe jumping a little bit earlier, but I think the thing we love about him is is uh, defensive pressure at the moment, which is something that's not lauded that much, but it's something we do behind closed doors. And that's all we want from you, is just to provide that pressure, knock it out marked, and then eventually the goals will come. But um, at the moment, yeah, his main focus is to get that defensive side, defensive side on track, and then he'll go from there. Zane, we, we marvel externally at the leadership of Marcus Bontempelli and just watching him play this year, he doesn't look himself as in his body. He looks like a little bit banged up, but what an inspirational captain. He's, an, you know, 18 disposals and three goals, used in a slightly different role again last night. How, how far off is he is his best midfield form at the moment? Or is it more just they're trying to protect him by playing him a bit more forward out of sort of necessity and where his body's at at the moment? Um, oh, he's a little bit sore, but majority of us are sore at this time. Um, you always got some niggles going into games. Um, so I, I don't think that'll be that much in his head. But I think the main thing is um, oh, we just, uh, we've got a lot of midfielders at the moment. So it's, it's trying to find the right balance between getting them inside and getting them up forward. But as you saw, he's, uh, his forward craft's pretty nice at the moment. <laughs> So um, he's uh, he's been in good form, and then we sort of thought, oh, we we might as well stretch North Melbourne's defence a little bit and have four tolls up there, and it seemed to work for us last night. So it might be a plan to go in the future. It might not, but I think the good thing about Bont is he plays his role, um, whether that be midfield tie or up forward. He's willing to play a role for the team, and that's someone you that's what someone you want to play with, especially as a captain. Um, it's, yeah, it's very inspirational. He's fantastic and Andy alluded to or it might have actually been Derm about some of the numbers from last night um, contested possessions you guys won by 36 but you complemented that with uncontested possessions you had an extra 110 <laughs> uncontested possessions which I guess for us watching it just felt like work rate did you feel like you had the kangaroos where you wanted them and it just looked like they were starting to retreat when you guys got on top they seemed to fold back inside their their defensive line. Did it? Did it just feel like you had them for work, right? Um. Yeah, I think I think so. But I think the main thing was our maybe our skills were a bit, bit better this week. Um. I think last week against Richmond, they sort of got us got us done at the uh, contest. We uh, we coughed the ball up a little bit too much, and that was probably one of the main focuses. Is just a, a bit more of that ball security. Um. When we get tackled, don't just handball willy nilly. Um. Lock it in. If we get a free kick, it doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah, I think it sort of came from that contest, getting those contested ball, and then we got we got such good outside runners. Bailey Smith still showed his unbelievable running power last night. Um, so, 
yeah, I think at the moment it's just getting the contest right and then everything else flows on from there. Well played, mate. Thanks for joining us on well the done, show. Dan. Good luck next. Uh, the Adelaide Crows uh, down in Ballarat next Saturday. We wish you the best. Thanks for joining us on the show. No, always enjoy Easter weekend. Yeah, you too. Zane Cordy, uh, who did the job last night for them. I love it when you get that. That's a really... He sounds like a really good bloke. I love it when you hear from the bloke that sounds really surprised. He hadn't thought that question before he's come on. Every answer was... Um, nah, damn, I reckon it's the opposite. I reckon he wants to tell us what he was thinking, but then he had to think, what's how, the best thing to tell the media? Yeah. This, down. Um, this yeah, is what I think. Sounds but... like a good bloke, doesn't he? Yeah, no, he's a ripper. Yeah. Oh, I, like I love the fact that he's in lockstep with his coach, too. Like, the, the, you know, Luke's drawn some um, controversy and some commentary around him this year, and certainly elements of the media have got their nose out and joint been very, yeah. very strong on the interaction that took place between him and Tom Morris in particular. But yeah. from a player's perspective, that's the clearly the furthest thing from their mind. But it feels like a club that you'd like to be involved yeah. with, right? Like either support or to, to work or play or, you know, be, be on staff there because it feels like they're really tight-knit. And I'm, I'm really happy they got a bit of confidence back from last night. It's, mm. I mean, disappointing for Kangaroos because they were so good against the Swans the mm. previous week and then they, they probably should have pinched that game against the Swans. But a real step forward for the they're, Bulldogs. He's probably not going to like... My depiction or my summarisation on Jamari well, Eagle Hagen, he's got some issues. Well, let's get a break out of the way here on Crunch Time and we'll dive into that on the other side of this. Uh, Dermot talking about Jamari Eagle Hagen. Plenty more to come, more to come on the other side of this. You're listening to Crunch Time, brought to you by Isuzu. Go your own way with the three litre Isuzu D Max and extraordinary seven seat MUX. Welcome back to Crunch Time. We are at Marvel Stadium, secured to the Gold Coast, the game that we'll be calling after this. Brenton Sanderson, Dermot Brereton, and Luke Hodge, Andy Murray alongside them, filling in for Jared Waitley. Hey, Hodgie, just before we get into um, Jamara and Dermot, Dermot's take, um, have you? Did, did we look at the Western Bulldogs after last year's grand final, and yeah, they're in different form early and. Some people wonder, are they a bit busted from that grand final? Are they going to come back so humiliating was the last sort of 45 minutes of that game and so complete the demolition, you know, that that Melbourne visited upon them? Is that a thing? Do you reckon you're you're pretty matter-of-fact when it comes to this sort of stuff? Can Can teams get busted by really embarrassing grand final day performances? Uh, I don't think so. Not not in today's day and age. I think players know when they have a bad game, and we've seen over the years that teams can have a shocker. Um, I think you also have to look at where the dogs come from. It wasn't as if they were finished top two. Yes, they lost a couple of games when when um, Bruce hurt his hurt his knee, but they finished in the what, I think it was fifth. Had to win their way all the way through. So if it was Melbourne coming off a loss and played footy and won two out of the first five, you'd be questioned because Melbourne have been pretty much top of the ladder the, the last 18 months. Um, but I, I just think that Doggies did a really good effort to, to make the grand final, and they were inconsistent throughout the year at times, especially late in the season. So I sort of look at the Doggies and think they're a good enough team to beat North of what they're, what they're able to do. But when you match them up against the, the Melbourne and, and the better teams, they are just a little bit short, especially with, with a key forward or two that, that are out. That's why they've had to throw the Cordy up the other end to try and have a few more forward targets. They still find it. Have they still got that in them this year? Or with a couple coming back in and, you know, just the emerging form line throughout the course of a season, can, can they get back? Were we confident they could be there on the last Saturday of the season? 
I don't know. I, I, I still think they're a top four, top six side, but I love, I love the emergence of the Sydney Swans. I think Brisbane are right in their sweet spot. Um, but yeah, I've, and obviously everyone's chasing Melbourne at the moment. So they're, I think their best is certainly good enough. Yeah. Um, and I thought last night obviously was, was, a, was a, a demolition and they started really well, but it was a good team performance there. They got a, they got a full complement from, from their full 22. It was, it was not they had to rely on, on too few to get the job done. Yeah. And, yeah. But I know, I know Demi's going to talk about it now, but it, it feels like they just need a bit more support for, um, for, for, for Norton up there because yeah. he can't go through 22 rounds and a final series being that being targeted 15 yeah. times yeah. a game inside 50 because it's too, it's too predictable. And yes, they tried Cordy there last night. They tried Bont there last night and they got success from that. But um, they, they, they do have to find some more avenues towards goal. So if we, we break it down a tiny bit, we assume Melbourne's going to be there. That's a yep. fair assumption, isn't yep. it? So it's going to be somebody else. Right now, anyone who is a true challenger, the, what Sydney are giving us, what the dogs are giving us, is good footy. But it's not good enough to beat Melbourne if you play the grand final next week. Mm. So you have to try and pick who on their journey, we have a couple of hiccups here and there, but who on their journey has an upward curve in them? Who haven't we seen or who have we seen snippets of that's going to grow through this season? And I think just need a couple of things to go even more right. Funny enough, I reckon Sydney's got some more growth mm. in them mm. this season. Mm. And they're the team which I think they're playing really well now. As long as they steer clear of injuries. And as I say, there's ifs. This is an if. If they can get a couple of things, get a more of an upward curve from somebody, you, know, you make up whatever you want. McCartan turns into the number one lockdown defender. Mm. I'm, I'm talking Paddy. Mm. Um, who knows what, what can happen? Oh, okay. There are all these ifs, but there's more upward curve, I think, in Sydney, given the wild card status of Lance Franklin being in there. Tom Papley's still got to come back Papley's in. Papley's got too. to come back in. Franklin, uh, um, does Hickey take the the, the, well, the first we'll, we'll ruck talk, off? We'll, we'll talk about so the they've got yeah. a few things which can propel them on an upward curve so, even more. So, so you, you wanted to talk about Eugle Hagen, and you heard Zane Cordy say mm. that we, we we really rate the defensive efforts that he's bringing to the table, and that might be stuff that some of us don't see. Now, I know you've watched him. Mm. You've watched him at stadium, in stadium, closely. Yeah. Is, is I've watched court... him like I would be doing his match review. Okay, so so yeah. you expect the teammate to fly the flag. You're the brought. You're you're the pundit. What are you What are you seeing from um, from Jamara? Well, the first the thing I, I see is that the first time it raised my eyebrows. And, and if you're number one, you, you've got talent. If you go number one, that's just a fact. Of course, you, you don't. You don't. Yeah. You don't recruit a scratcher at number one, no matter how good a scratcher he is. Yeah. And what raised my eyebrows first was when their first win, was it round two or round three, where they beat Sydney. And the number one thing the teammates could talk about with Jamara was, didn't he thrust back hard into Dane Rampey and create the spill? And I thought, yeah, that's expected. That's what you want. You expect that of anyone, whether they are highly talented or a scrubber. You expect that. But the number one, we want him to find the ball. We want him to use his talents. We want him to win more than his fair share in the air of 50-50 balls. He's winning none of those. And last night, he had five possessions in a team which had 62 inside 50 entries. And the second best key forward was the captain, who's a midfielder, 
The yep. third best key forward, uh, probably was best at the start, was Little Waitman. The fourth yep. best key forward, key personnel forward, was, was Zane Cordy by playing his role and got to the spots. Jamara got one lead up and well done. But you look at the vision behind the goal, the whole field opened up for him and he just led straight at the kicker. There was no thought in it. Well done doing that. And, and I know the coach will defend him, but I think the kid needs reprogramming back in the twos. He needs to be able to find the ball and outstretch everybody and outreach everybody and see the ball and have fun and run to it. Because at the moment, Damn. he's too Give late to read the cue. He's too late Damn. to read the cues, Hodgie. Come he's on, too mate. Late. Bevo, does, Bevo doesn't need to defend him. We will. He's a he's a kid. He's in his third year. He's played nine AFL games, and you're right. He does need to learn the game. But the the most important part for kids when they get drafted, for one, is to feel comfortable. And the only way that you get to feel comfortable out there, whether it's VFL or seniors, is by getting out there. And what's happened to him and a lot of the other younger guys who've been drafted over the last two years is they haven't had continuity in playing games. They have, they've been in, they've been out, seasons have been suspended, they've moved in a state to play, play the football and he hasn't been able to get a game because Bruce, for one, has been sensational until he hurt his knee. Norton um, is just a star. So they're the two main forwards. Um, so you so think he's, he's learning played... more about the game getting five possessions in a team which goes inside 50, 62 times than he would getting it 20 in the reserves and learning how to find the ball again? No, because I reckon his feedback that he'll be getting, he'll be getting more feedback by playing senior football. And look, there's no doubt when Bruce comes back in, he's probably going to go out. But I reckon at AFL level, the amount of camera work... So if work, Hannon comes in next goal, week from illness, Hodgie, who do you play? Hannon or Jamari Hagen next week? Well, if people are coming back, of course you're going to put blokes back in there. But I'm saying the re he's going to learn more from playing senior football, whether he has five touches or ten touches, because they have five different camera angles that they can teach him. They can sort of show him that bit of vision that you spoke about. They could sit back and say, mate, that's perfect, but this is what we need you more of. And they'll show him other instances where he could have had that lead, but he went back or he didn't lead up or he didn't squeeze so up. So can you tell me one in. passage of play, uh, playing as a key for, can you tell me one passage of play this year where he's outworked his opponent? Well, I'm pretty sure their coaches who review the game probably would do. All I'm saying is that he will learn more because you, you, I'm, I'm looking at the, the Lions VFL and the amount of cameras that they get. They get a side angle and they might get one behind the goals, but it's not to the detail. They'll have a part-time forwards coach. They'll have a main coach who's aligned with the senior team. At senior level, when you've got development coaches looking for you, he's got a forward coach who's looking at him. The head coach is looking at him. He's got four or five different people that are going to help him develop his game. Playing with a Norton is going to help him because he's going to be sitting there and listening to the feedback that Norton gets. Playing with a Bonham Pally beside him, he's going to learn from Bonham Pally. Um, That's I can good for side on. His football, yeah. his football isn't up to scratch at senior level at this stage, but I feel for his development, it's been hindered over the last two years. And going back to VFL, and because he's a natural talent, he's probably going to be better than the VFL defenders, so he probably won't run the right patterns. And he can probably do that stuff that he can't do at AFL level and still get the ball because he's better than the VFL defenders. At That's senior not, level, it's he'll, good he'll get to taught. be side onto these blokes and see them perform their craft. But if you're not allowed to take your man to that contest, you're not getting your hands on the footy. You, you're seeing these blokes, but how long do you have to actually sit in the side on seat before you say, I can have an impact on the game? By, by being there, by learning more. Because I've, I've seen that many, I've seen that many VFL players over the last two years have been out that have gone and they run the wrong patterns because the teams that they're playing aren't 
good enough and they won't turn the ball over. So they'll cheat forward to get the ball. They won't run a decent forward pattern because they're better than their defender. They just want it kicked up to them and they'll take that contested mark. So I can clearly, I can understand 100% what you're saying. There are better forwards at the moment. But I, I, I feel for his development, for him having the coaches that he has around him, for he has the senior players that he has around him, that that's how he's going to best learn. Because as soon as you go back to of VFL, course you, 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 you can get away. Eyes on the sport are very much, very much more uh, eyes on the sport at the top level. But you can't tell me running under the ball four times in one game, he's got good touch at the moment. He needs to be able to get his hands on the footy. And in that forward line, Norton goes for everything. He would, be, as I said to Zane Cordy, he would be... Fantastic, but also a nightmare to play, to play with. Because even when you do draw the ball correctly, Norton's coming over the top if he can get there because he's so good at the moment. It would be so difficult for this kid. And you're seeing him miss time. He's not reading the cues on time. He's late for the lead most of the time. He's running under the ball most of the times, And then sometimes he'll come in. I mean, to the stat sheet, he didn't lay a tackle last night. I think they're going to be better served. It's a hard sport, this one. And you can come in with reputations. But it is a very much results-driven sport. And the lad needs to find hands on the footy right now. And I don't think he's in the right space to have an effect against opposition at league level. It'll come, Derm. It'll come. Of and course it, it has to come. I just, had, I just had to stick up for the fellow. I didn't want to wait for Bevo to Monday to stick up for him. I thought I'd better do my, do my Bob look after well, the young fella coming through. And I Bevo will Doom probably give me the test and say, come <laughs> on, mate. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at the kid who is the, 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 the great hope. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, yeah. And he's just not getting it right. And I, have, I suppose, Hodgie, the, the, the one thing I said to you then, I haven't seen him as a key forward. I have not seen him outwork an opposition player yet. That's the key yep. part, Derm. It's the work rate. And that's what I think some of these young, talented uh, players come into the competition. It's probably the last thing that clicks is how hard you have to work. And a lot of the times, you might run kilometres out on the field and not get the ball. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to run 180 metres just to take a chess mark on the wing. You know, And you, you think of Nick Rewald and those sort of players with their work rate and their intensity as key forwards. But... It's very rare for these young men to come in in the forward line um, and have an impact straight away. It's, I mean, we are blessed at the moment. We've got, we've got Norton, we've got Larky, we've got the King boys. Um, we are blessed at the moment with a new generation of talented young forwards coming in. But this young man has talent. I think the last thing that's got to click for him is the intensity that he has to work for every possession. And, um, you know, we played and it was uncomfortable playing. By the, by the end of the game, you could barely move. Mm. Um, until that part clicks for some of these young, talented men, um, they're going to find that they're not having the impact on games that they were hoping. There's no doubt about it. And, Th- and this that, clearly is a concern for bit. the dogs, though. Otherwise, you're not playing Zane Cordy forward. You don't bring in yeah. Tim O'Brien to release Zane Cordy forward if this isn't a concern for them. And, and that, that's what I was sort of alluding to a little bit there, is the fact that if he goes back to VFL level... I don't think that he's going to learn that work rate down there because yeah, of how much better bad, he is than other he'll people. He'll learn bad, bad habits too much in the video. Take, I'll take that point on. Yeah, I'll take that point on. But at the moment, yeah, he's not having an impact. And I'm seeing a lot of opportunity. I mean, I'm watching him really intrinsically. 62 inside 50s. And he can't draw, can't draw the ball. We've got to get to a break in about a minute. Do you feel like they're playing him? Obviously, out of necessity. 
But do you feel like they're also playing because if it clicks quickly, and it'll be quickly in his second season at the level, if it clicks between now and the end of the year, that he is the sort of player that can make them significantly better? 100%, yeah. No, and I, and I, I see the raw stuff and I really like it. You know, put him mm. up on the wing for a quarter or something, you know, or just, yeah. just get him running and working and... Um, you know, that talent you talk about, and, and which we were saying before, he could be the upward turn in them. Yeah, he 100%. could be that. But imagine if he gets to three quarters Norton yeah. <laughs> by the end of the year. That yeah. could be the upward turn. Yeah. But then you, you look at Norton and the work. I mean, he kicked two goals out of the ruck last night. Yeah. Norton. There's a load of stuff to get through. We've got to get to a break. Uh, there's Tribunal on the uh, on the agenda. There's Josh Kennedy from Sydney. There's Mason Cox. There's the Sydney Swans midfield. There's Peter Laddams. There's a whole lot of stuff to get through. We'll tick it all off in the second hour of Crunch Time. We're here at Marvel Stadium looking forward to the St Kilda Gold Coast game, which is our match for call after we are done here. You are listening to Crunch Time. The award-winning Crunch Time. Great to have you with us Easter Saturday. About to get back stuck into the conversation about the big issues through round five thus far. Before we do the bounce back for Juraveg, providing erosion control and environmental revegetation, focusing on players who are coming back into form or back into footy. Nick Vloston plays his first game of the season for the Tigers today. What does... He bring to this Richmond side now sitting two and two, looking to start to climb up the ladder. He definitely is an important plank for them. Harrison Petty returns to the D's tonight, relegating. Feel good story, Adam Tomlinson to the reserves. It's harsh. Is it a bit harsh on Tomlinson that he pays the price? That'll be the question that people will be asking regarding that Petty Premiership defender. Uh, Tomlinson's been okay, uh, but I think the D's have got to opt for Petty coming back into the side. Mark Pittnett returns to the Blues. Uh, that. The one interesting thing about Pitnet, Sando and Hodgie and Dern will be rejoining us now, is that they've after that Hawthorne comeback after the in the second half of that game at the G a couple of weeks ago, where through the first couple of weeks of the season the Pitnet uh deconning double act seemed to be working okay. Did. They get overrun by Hawthorne in the second half of that game, and it seems like they've now gone away from that. They're not keen to play the two ruckmen. And they certainly haven't. They didn't last week against Gold Coast. They had an issue with Pitnet's back, obviously. But this week, the Conning makes way. It does seem that there's been a bit of a polish, policy shift at Carlton when it comes to the two ruckmen. Yeah, it is. It is a debate that clubs have a lot about. Can you can you run with two genuine ruckmen out on the field? Because you, you you almost need one of them to have that ability to go forward and 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 con, contest and also kick goals. And you know, we saw last night where the Kangaroos went Cherry and Goldstein against English and. Mm. I thought I thought English was able to to hold up pretty well, and it's 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 been a tactic against a lot of uh, dominant ruckmen. So Grundy for Collingwood's had a lot of um, a lot of teams put double yeah, double yeah, uh, yeah. team team him, you know, try to outwork him and outrun him. So, but Pitney is a really important in, especially with Cripps out. Yep, he is. Hey, Oji, everybody's been talking about the Harris Andrews, the hands out. Now we haven't heard from the AFL yet, as far as I know. There's been no communication via the league as to what took place out on the ground. But um, we're all a bit confused, I think, about the 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 pingy of Harris Andrews for that 50. I don't know whether you've heard anything up there, but what was your take based on what we know of that incident thus far? 
Yeah, I think from what the umpire had said, and, and we did the, the game, and the umpire explanation to Harris was as soon as you put your arms out, it's 50 as far as uh, arguing and, and just the perception against umpires, which I, I actually really like the idea. Um, yep. If you look around country football, there is such a shortage of umpires with all the all the um, young girls now out playing football. There's so many more games and we just haven't got the umpires and, and a lot of umpires are also walking away because of the abuse that they get over the fence and... I feel what the what the AFL have done to try and put back that respect to the umpires was really good. I think the hard thing for for players and for for spectators is is just the consistency of it, because um, it looked like Harrison and from the umpire saying that as soon as you put your arms out, then it's you're disagreeing and that that's fifty. I watched um, I watched the Bulldogs and North Melbourne game. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was McRae in the middle. It was his free kick. He went to give the advantage. The umpire called the ball back, and he's thrown his arms out <laughs> saying, why didn't you give me the advantage? Yeah. There was no in frustration. That was no different to what Harris Andrews did. So does the umpire reverse the free kick um, if it's a, to the letter of the law? So um, I think I'm the same in, as a lot of the supporters and players, that if they're going to do it, they have to be consistent and do it to everyone because over, from rounds two to four, it was starting to come back in as far as if a player got a, de- uh, a decision they didn't like, then it would be a little bit of... It wasn't to the extent of spraying or swearing that they had yeah. come into the game over the last couple of years. But you could sort of see the body language was starting to come back in and the AFL was starting to sort of let it go. The umpires were, were freeing up a little bit. So it just seems like they've, they've gone down a bit more of a whack down this round. But they should at least give the players or the, or the clubs a heads up if they are going to tighten it up again. When you're lining incidents up, just staying on that game before we get away from it... Um, when you line incidents up and you want to try and draw a theme and a line of thinking between the two, to you three luminaries, does it make – when you line up the Paddy Ryder two weeks from last week, which was challenged and stood, and you line up the $2,000 fine that Darcy Gardner got for dropping the shoulder into the back of young Dacos, do, I know they're different incidents and I know the head was involved in one. So, so it's not like for like, but when you're lining up – intent, uh, decision-making process of a player that led to the contact, when you line the two of them up, does it make sense to you three that one bloke got two weeks and the other bloke got a $2,000 fine? Not if you're taking intent into account. I think intent, you have to, Surely you have to, well, don't they you? don't anymore because the, the intent is, takes a back seat in the adjudication these days because it's all about the injury sustained. Well, in the head case, it's the... Dacos doesn't get up. Darcy Gardner misses weeks. That's purely on the injury sustained. Will, does Will Day it... doesn't play out the game. Yeah, that, yeah. Paddy gets two weeks. Having said that, I think Will Day had every right to deliver that footy and think he wasn't going to get oh, bumped. I totally agree. And head contact. But I, I think two weeks was really severe for that. Hodgie, does it make sense to you? Just in terms of that Darcy Gardner was clearly more intent on hurting an opponent. He, you know, he, that, he, wanted to, he wanted to make Dacos earn the, the uncontested mark. I don't think anybody thinks Paddy Ryder had any intent to hurt Will Day in that incident. Only intent for contact, but he didn't well, want to hurt him. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Does it make sense to as you the 2,000 it... versus the two weeks? As much as um, me and Derm disagreed in the last segment, I kind of agree with Derm on this one. It's you're right. It's, it comes down because it's got the criteria of impact. Um, that's where it was. Darcy and Cox, who jumped up at a contest and put his knee into Starcevich's back, they looked way worse than what Paddy did. 
but mm. with Paddy's one, he got the hip and shoulder to the to the chin, um, spent the rest of the game off. So that's that can't be as low impact because he was taken off, spent the rest of the time uh, on the bench where. Dacos gets back up, plays the rest of the game. Starsevich gets back up, plays the rest of the game. And I think they rated both of those as, as low impact. So that's where it drops back down to, to the fine where I, I agree. Paddy's two weeks for that. Like there was, yes, he was standing there and, and Day's got the right. If he's going to kick a ball, he's allowed to follow through. It's almost similar to the basketball. If you're shooting, you're allowed to be able to land. Otherwise, it's a foul. If a player's kicking the ball on the run, he's got to be able to follow through his kick. But at two weeks for Paddy, who wasn't moving forward, who'd stood held his spot but braced um, I thought the two weeks was a bit harsh and, and as far as aggressive acts yeah, Cox and yes. Darcy Gardner were, were, were way more aggressive it looked it looked way more aggressive than, than the Paddy Ryder one well, Andy Hodgie just spoke about um, how much better the game is without the abuse towards umpires and we've seen a significant change in that thankfully the game is safer now than it ever has been yep. we're seeing less and less injuries and, and the AFL they are so serious about concussion yep and rightly so, because unfortunately too many young men and women um, who play our sport um, are, are getting serious concussion injuries. So the bigger picture is we're trying to make the game as safe as we possibly can with the current rules we have in place because it's such an incredible game. We love the physical element of it. And unfortunately, we debate tribunal constantly because there's no two incidences are the same and we love to compare, but you just can't. It's And, and you know... Hodgie knows, Derm knows. We've been in situations where it's just heat of the moment. You you make a decision that you're going to have to live with and pay for. And, um, you know, Derm got suspended a couple of times, I think. And, couple. One or um, two. And Hodgie probably did too, I'm lucky sure. He did. Hodge, lucky he didn't get suspended <laughs> yeah. more often than he did. Yeah, you were quite shifty at it, Hodgie. Yeah, no, very... And no, I'm, I just I'm sure these, low category. I'm sure these, these hard oh, men yeah, yeah. never <laughs> tried to hurt their opponents. But... Yeah. Thankfully, I think, Andy, the bigger picture, the game's getting safer and safer and we want young people, boys and girls, to keep taking up our sport and it's reflected by what they see on game day here in the AFL. So I think bigger picture here, the game's getting safer, thankfully. That, that raises yeah. a new question. Though. You, we want young people to take up the sport, but do we want them to take up the sport with a view to making AFL or to participate at local level? Because to participate at local level, you can still have a robust sport at this top level where there, there, are, there is a little bit of living in the grey area. And at, at junior level, it should be adjudicated a little differently so for participation to look after. Look after kids. Oh, I think we have one of the great contact sports, if not the great contact football code of the world where it requires real bravery. And... This little grey area, because we've got no offside rule, this little grey area is diminishing year by year, coming down year by year. I think, and we look at some of the sports. I know you hate it, but if you look at the sports that are growing around the world, they're they're violent sports. Oh, some of them are. And I know right. people yeah. 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 people like to see gladiator type sport. We don't want what that. But we like to see that grey area where there's borderline issues and it creates all these... Not everybody. There's, there's, there's certainly a market for the MMA stuff that you're... There's definitely UFC. There's I'm definitely... not talking about bringing MMA yeah, in, yeah, 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 but yeah. I'm saying no, that no, there no, is... No, 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 Jermaine. And yeah. It's the fastest growing yeah. sport in the world yeah. for yeah. a reason. It, but there, get, is, yeah. there is courage in, in acts we'll see today in today's game between St Kilda and Suns. There'll be elements of courage where players put their body on the line. Of course. But we're trying to eliminate those moments when there is an intent to hurt or an intent to, 
to hit late. Yes, which, and, and which we don't want in our sport. game, and we don't I mean, want a community sport either. When we, yeah, when we used to play, there was the opportunity to to give somebody a clout, and yep. if you did it shiftily, you could get away with it. That's great that that's been taken out agree, of the game. Agree, agree. Um, but there's also issues if you're within view, you do have to have peripheral vision to look after yourself. That's gone. Yep, that's gone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll I, leave I think that to different. I think it, it, as a former player, I think you look back and you, if you hear the stories of a Greg Williams or a, or a Johnny Barnes who um, have been so affected by the amount of concussions that they've had and, and it's not just where the AFL are going. You can sort of see in the NFL how many lawsuits they've had through players yeah. that have had so many issues from all the contact that they had. And I think the AFL, the AFL want to make our game for mums and dads to make sure that the game is safe for their kids to go and play football. And that no, was the cleanest way of doing it. I reckon their drive is cost-driven, Hodgie. There's some big lawsuits. It's cost-driven. The byproduct is that if we do it at the top level, it becomes safer at the lower level. But this is cost-driven. It, 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 I think it's both because they, they don't want to be yeah. taken to, to court over actions that players have had over their career. But it's also for, for our game to grow in the future, which also costs, it's going to bring more money to the game, is they want mums and dads to sit back and say, we want our game to be safe for our kids. And as soon as, as a player, I remember the first time that I got told, if you elect a bump, you're in trouble, when Nick Maxwell uh, bumped someone over the boundary line. Oh, this was probably 16, 17, roughly. Uh, and from Mc, then it started. McGinnity or someone from West mm. Coast? Yeah. Yeah, and that was the first time that I got told from a coach that if you like to bump and you don't do it right, you don't get it on the shoulder, get him in the head, you're you're going to be suspended. And that was seven, six years ago. So it, it's, it is building into the game. It's got to a stage now where it's the same thing. It's more every time if you bump someone and they get injured from it, any head knock, any contact to the head, that you're going to be in trouble. And I think the players do understand that now. Yeah. So mostly, we used to aim up the head. Yeah. I oh, know you did. I oh, know you did. <laughs> Mason Cox was mentioned in that conversation for the two thousand dollar fine that he got for the for the knee, and it was it was an ugly look, and it seemed to be out of character, and and that was that part of Mason Cox's night. It, it seems like five rounds in now, uh, the minute Mason Cox is struggling in a game of footy, everybody, or not everybody, but but a section of the punditry and the commentary team and the Twitterverse and is going to line up the, the goggles, which are there clearly to protect his eyes. And a couple of people, um, you know, made comments throughout the night. Uh, they've retracted their comments in one way, shape or another. The Collingwood Football Club was so moved um, in response to some of the online commentary, particularly from Dan Cherney, who's taken his tweet down now, that they put out a, um, a tweet making a joke out of an injury that has seriously impacted Mason's life isn't appropriate, be better. Um, Mason Cox is a fascinating subject for a whole range of reasons. You know him really well, Sam. You know him better than us. The, the goggles were always going to draw comment, weren't they? That, that, there was always going to be an element of, oh, here goes the big silly American doing something silly again. There was always going to be that without understanding. And here he finds himself unwittingly in the middle of something because he's he put on some protective yeah. um, equipment because his eyes have had some issues in the past. Yeah, well, can I firstly say, and, and we, we all know him, number one, you will not meet a nicer guy in AFL Terrific fellow. And a beautiful uh, his man. His values yep. are incredible. Can I just say that first yep. of all? But in the same breath, in this industry, your performance, we evaluate you on if you're having an impact in the game. And unfortunately, he hasn't started the year well. 
And he didn't have a great year last year Don't either. Tell that to Hodgie. I got told off for going down that line no, last no, year. One, yeah, one bike's a teenager and the other bike's 31. The goggles, though, right with the goggles is for uh, <laughs> eye surgery to repair yep. detached retina. retina. Yep. Um, so he had this issue where when he played last year and after he had the surgery, um, he couldn't see the ball properly or clearly for night games. The, um, the lights always were, were, were an issue for him. And he found, obviously, over the summer that these new goggles that he wears um, actually improve. But yep. unfortunately, Andy, like I said, this, this is an industry where you have to perform and he would be the first to say, and he knows that he's, he's only had the four possessions and he only had, I think, four or five in round one uh, and then missed round two with injury. But, yeah, he, he just needs to play better. And he's, and he's 31. Yep. So, um, yes, he's very young still in his football development, but uh, at, at that age, it's, it's time to perform and you need to be in that sweet spot if you're going to... Beat, beat your best. So I think the criticism has probably got a little bit um, uh, uh, washed away a little bit with with the the, the, the commentary and the the jokes and yeah. the fun being poked. But he him. knows, and yep. you know he yep. he wasn't on his own the other night. He, I mean, but yeah, Cameron Cox and Grundy only took five marks between them for the night. Mm. Um, for those three big men, they they just need to do better. They just need Brody. to perform better. Brody Grundy's an interesting one. He's, if you looked at him during the preseason, and we should all always moderate, you know, assessments made until you know prior to the, the regular season starting, but he looked to be in career best form. He looked fit. He looked like he was getting across the ground brilliantly, and it hasn't been a Brody Grundy esque start to the season at all. Well, Andy, I, you know, it was as little as eighteen months ago, two two years ago, he was the premier ruckman in yeah. the competition. Yep. He was the prototype template for what recruiters were looking to get was that was that ruckman that can get across the ground like another midfielder. So with their work rate, their intensity, their skill level, their ability to win contests at ground level, um, that's what's been Brody Grundy's trademark. And as I said, I think that's the template of, of ruckman going forward. Um, but he he's had a poor start to the year mm. as well, a little bit like Mason. He just can't seem to recapture that best form. And whether it's a confidence thing or a work rate thing or a fitness thing, but I'm not sure, Andy, because he... Like you said, I, I saw him play some good footy oh. in the in the summer. He's, yeah. um, his pre-season work was really good. But I know, once again, the commentary will be around signing a long-term contract and he's only two years into a seven-year deal, I think. Um, so sometimes, you know, it's, it's easy to go there and say, you know, maybe he's, uh, his passion is not quite there and the determination because the... The uh, the big contract, the big money over the longer term, you know, where's where's that desire gone? But I think he'll recapture his best form. He's a he's a proud young man. He's got leadership material. Um, yeah, he, he he drives culture at Collingwood. So I think I think it's just a little form slump. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see the best in him in the next I, I, next few weeks. Hodgie, I don't ask you this question off the back of what Sando just said. Then to suggest that this is what's happened to Brody Grundy. But you know, play. You can get comfortable, and and I'm and I'm and I preface again that I'm not saying that about Brody Grundy. If you got into list management at any stage of your your life, and it's probably unlikely that you will, but if you did, would you would you be an advocate for the five, six, seven year contracts? Oh, um, I always went through my career. We never had any anything longer than a, a three. I think my longest contract was a three with a trigger for a fourth year. Um, and it was only when we were getting towards the later parts of our career where some blokes started to get four or five-year deals. Mm. I, I can understand why they wanted to lock up Brody for that long because of so many teams. And, and Sando was right. He was such a dominating rockman. Um, but the only thing is you're locking in someone on a million bucks for seven years. You don't know whether it's injuries and, yes, he got rewarded for the work he could do. 
I'm not a massive fan of the really long ones. I could probably handle a, a four or a five-year one. Um, but they've, they've backed up and gone again with more and gone a six-year deal. Um, so if, if teams are going to be out chasing your players and you need to do that to, to lock them up, then I can understand why they did it. But I reckon teams are going to be a little bit more um, hesitant on giving the players the longer ones. It's probably it, the Ruckman yeah. too, Andy. Yeah, like that's, it's, yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about mark. with Luke Jackson at the moment, aren't we? Like that's that seems right. to be the... You know, Josh Jenkins has been bold in suggesting, you know, eight and 12 million over eight and all sorts of stuff. But And if you, you want to get him out, Hodgie, if you want to get him out of clubs, sometimes you've got to go right. a, a bit further than you might um, be comfortable going. And, and Jackson, Jackson's a star. He's going to be a really, really good player. But uh, how good of a player is going to be? He's playing in the best team in the league. He's backing up one of the best ruckmen in the league. And he can sort of pinch hit and he's got forwards who other defenders aren't going to drop off. They're, they're the main forwards to come across and help Jackson. Um, so for a team, we're going to go and offer a, a seven, eight-year deal. Or and I know it's Josh is only sort of throwing this out. This is what he would do to, to attract him back home. But you, you need a few more runs on the board before you start throwing out those big contracts for blokes that have just been in the, They've done really well for what they've done so far. But you've got to look at the people around them and who are making them better as well. What was the Judd deal? And he had how did how did Carlton get Judd out of West Coast? Five and offered him a lot five. of cash. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ambassadorial roles <laughs> and pretty much whatever you want to do, whatever, however you can use the club, Chris, to further <laughs> your cause. We are at your disposal. You're right. I though, can't remember. I think, the I think with Grundy five. though, uh, yeah. if you can remember back, because he's a South Australian and he he did support the Adelaide Crows growing up. Yeah. And at the time, Sam Jacobs was retiring and. Adelaide needed a ruckman right then. Like they obviously yeah, yeah, just yeah, coming yeah, out yeah. of a grand final loss to to Richmond that year, and they felt like they were still in their in their premiership window. And I guess that's when the manager does their best work. You know, the the Crows really want him to come back to the club that he supported as a kid, and Collingwood match or Collingwood obviously matched it and some. You yeah. know, to uh, to ensure that he stayed. So that's I guess sometimes your um, your contract uh, reflects. The other club that's interested you interested in getting into their club. If you two were going to pick, there's a question without notice, and just sort of thinking about the resurgence of Ruckman and you know where they kind of sit in the pecking order these days. But if you had to pick your dominant player in in the team that you're playing in or coaching to be a type, right? So so your best player is a type, and it's a key forward, it's a forward mid hybrid, it's a Ruckman, it's a key defender. Or it's a you know a, a twenty five thirty possession rebounding ball distributing sort of halfback flanker type who can set it up from down there. Is there a type that you would go all in on? Well, Hodge, I'll go first. I've I've actually been involved in these conversations, obviously, Andy, when I was coaching Adelaide around building a premiership squad and yep. the the importance. And it feels for me that and clubs are very differently. So, for example, Sydney Swans won a premiership and Richmond have won premierships and. Um, without having a real, you know, great, solid ruckman, you know. It's, yep, yep. it's been someone that just comes in and just plays a role where they jump and they hit the ball down and they get back behind the play. But I think the pillars is you need that you need the key forward and the key back and you need that one A-grade mid, you know, and then you obviously build your side around that. But um, if you can only pick one. If there's only one oh, of those... For me, key forward. Yeah, key, key forward, forward. yeah. Yes, so for me, it'd be the, yep. the King Twins, yep. you know, like obviously their, their value now. We talked about Norton, you yep. know, Larky, Jackson. Yeah, those are the type for me, and that, I think St Kilda did it really well. Obviously, when they they just went they went with Nick Rewalt with um, yep. and Kaczynski, you know, yep. Yep. 
I think you've got to draft those young, talented forwards Didn't hurt first. Hawthorne, did it? No. Yep. Yeah. And then you just, zero, yeah. you just got to be patient and you've got to wait for them to, de- uh, to develop and evolve. I mean, I always have the great argument. Some of the best key defenders are failed key forwards. Yeah, yep. Who actually find their niche going behind the ball, you know. Yep. And we, not that we're seeing that now with Darcy Moore at Collingwood, but, um, you know, he was a two or three goal a game forward, yeah, yeah, Darcy yeah. Moore, but yeah. he's an all-Australian defender now. So... We saw it with Tom Lonigan at Geelong. You know, there's um, Andrew Mackey at Geelong, you know, who go back and become... Well, Paddy McCartan. Paddy McCartan, yeah. you know, um, obviously having such an impact now for the Swans. So, for me, it's the key forward. I'm not sure what you think, Hodgie, but for me, it's the key forward that you've got to put all of your, uh, all of your long-term contract and money, money at. Yeah, there's definitely the importance of your, your bookends. If you, if you can get your bookends right and you look at uh, Hawkins, what he's been able to do, but a, sort of, a lot of people sort of say you've got to get your Ruckman, but I'm, I've just written down the Ruckman who we had um, for our prim- so we had Robbie Campbell and Brent Renouf, um, Maxi Bailey Big Boy McAvoy, David Hale in the mix, and you, you'll probably sort of say that they're not all highly paid Ruckman in that, but they were there to do the do their job, put in that much energy, put in a battle against your, and just to limit the uh, the, the hitouts for the, for the midfielders, so they were all role players, you're right, it's, it's your centre forward, and I guess our story with, with Hawthorne was we had midfielders, we had centre forward, we had forwards, but we fell short in 2-11 to Collingwood in the prelim. We fell short to Sydney in the grand final, and, and we got Brian Lake. And yes, Brian Lake had played a long time, but he just shot up our defence. So my, my key would be, yeah, your, your bookends, your, your key forward or your key back are probably the two that you'd want to make sure you start with there, and then you can sort of build off. St Kilda supporters will be coming here today, getting ready to hopefully see their team um, continue to... Uh, build into season 2022. They'll be delighted to know that Zach Jones, who's making his comeback via the twos, has had 18 disposal in the first half, a couple of marks as well, and he's getting around the ground uh, the way that Zach Jones does. So uh, that's another good news, piece of good news for St Kilda is they just start to gather themselves into this season. They've got the Gold Coast Suns here at Marvel um, after crunch time today. We did have that chat before about umpire descent, Hodgie and Sando. The AFL has contacted me. I was wondering whether there had been an official statement from the AFL. Um, the, 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 the AFL has yet again doubled down on this. They absolutely back the umpires and continue to support them to pay descent-free kicks. Players are clear on that. Umpires are clear on that. The industry is clear and remains absolutely supportive across the board. Presidents, CEOs, coaches, GMs of footy, everybody else. So um, Harris Andrews, based on that, should have known that what he was doing by raising the arms in a demonstrative manner, even though it wasn't aggressive, was likely to draw the ire of the umpire and the AFL doubling down on their commitment to paying those sorts of free kicks. You're listening to Crunch Time. The award-winning crunch time. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Canning down to the opening bounce here at Marvel Stadium. The Saints are out on the ground doing their warm-ups. They'll be bored as a footy club with that news about Zach Jones going so well in their VFL game uh, at the moment. So things get a little bit better by the day for St Kilda. They'll be expecting to put the Gold Coast Suns away. Although the last five games between these two have resulted in 9.4.4.1.2 point margins. Uh, all two St Kilda dating back to 2018, but they've all been tight. And all of them easily could have gone the other way. Brenton Sanderson, Luke Hodge, Dermy will be back in a minute. Andy Marr filling in for uh, Jared Whateley. 
I'll start with you, Hodgie. I know you said at the start you didn't see too much of uh, the game last night over in Perth. Uh, Josh Kennedy, 34, he turns the Sydney version of Josh Kennedy, turns 34 in June, has been uh, a champion of that football club for, it uh, doesn't need restating, we, we all accept that, was named last night as um, the sub, didn't come onto the ground. They looked magnificent last night. Their midfield group and the ping they were getting off halfback. They they looked, they looked aside that didn't need Josh Kennedy last night. Where, how do you how do you go? Where do you see him for the rest of 2022? Firstly, and how important? Santa, you jump in on this one as well when when Hodgie's done. How important is it to manage Josh Kennedy's uh, personal expectations throughout the rest of this season? Well. Uh- Playing with Josh Kennedy and sort of knowing what kind of guy he is, he'll be happy to do whatever he needs to. Everyone gets to a stage in their career where it's not about you getting the ball. It's not about you being around the footy the whole time. It's about you playing a role for your team and letting younger guys step up because he knows the only way that he's going to get a chance to play in another premiership, if, if he does, is through all the, the younger guys that has emerged at Sydney the last couple of years. Um, watching the Sydney-Geelong game in round two... He played on the wing the whole game. I think round one he was on the on the half back flank. So yep. they've obviously had that discussion throughout the preseason, and this is what they're going to. This is how they're going to play. They're, they've got some younger mids in there with a bit more zip and who can win the contested ball just as good. But from from what I've seen, he's been happy to sit on the outside, or, or he's been willing to sit on the outside and sort of do what he has to do to to help his team succeed. And and they've they've been pretty impressive so far this year. I have to agree. Andy, it's it's a really delicate situation with such a such a great champion of that footy club. Um, they're hard conversations to have as a coach too, because you you develop credits over time, yeah, yeah, um, if that's yeah. what you want to call them. But it's it's a, it's about your relationship. So John Longmire's relationship with Kennedy has he got the ability that they can have? Um, this will sound strange, but like an adult conversation yeah, yeah. where we talk about where you're at in your career and where the club is at in their development. And, and you know, Dermy, we were talking before, we, we are very bullish on the Swans mm. this year. This is a top four side, we think. But where does Kennedy fit into that? And if he doesn't fit into it, they need to have that conversation and they need to both be mature and have that, I guess, those football conversations about it because it was an element of my coaching career that I wasn't good at because right. I just couldn't have those conversations with the superstars, the ones that were the... The premiership players, the best and fairest players. Why and not? Was it? What was the? Was there a reason that you've re- well, quite often? On? Because yeah. I mean, we're we're talking about individuals that are super competitive, that never want to give up, and always want to play. And they probably think most of them they can keep playing Tom Brady style till yep. they're forty. Yep. But you you need to have those conversations, and quite often a player will come to you and say, "Nah, back me in, back me in, coach," because I reckon I've still got something to give you. Um, and they're they're like I said, they're. Did you, always, have, did you have personal experiences of those sort of conversations? Well, I did, yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably half a dozen players that retired when I was coaching Adelaide uh, where I had to have those conversations with them that we had young players coming through yep. that were going to take their positions. And these are proud, experienced footballers that they're very hard to have conversations like that with. And, you know, Hodgie, jump in any time, you know, because I'm sure you've had these conversations and you've seen it happen to other players as well. But for me, it was Ben Rutten. And, yep. and, you know, he's obviously the coaching coaching Essendon now. But um, 
you know, he was such a great fullback, and he was for probably ten years. He was almost unstoppable. I mean, <laughs> you know, he, he, you'd throw him on the opposition's best forward every week, and he'd get the job done. But as he hit thirty and thirty-one, he he did start to lose a step, and that that agility and that ability to be able to compete with the the new evolution of key forwards. You know, he he wasn't he wasn't tall, but so I had to have those conversations yeah. with a guy like Ben Rutten and say, listen, we've got. We've got a player coming in that we think's gonna that's gonna take your spot eventually, and that time might be coming, you know. And unfortunately, um, I just wasn't good at at having those conversations. I did, I didn't really know how to have them, I guess, yeah, as, a, yeah. as, a, as 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 a young senior coach. But jumping forward to John Longmire, and I really admire him as a coach. We're we're probably seeing that now with Kennedy, where he's the sub last night, which is probably an active rest. It's probably a game off for him, and mm. you probably can. I mean, if, you, if they had to use him in the first quarter, they would have had to use him. He would have come on as the mm, sub. But mm. they probably get a rest into him now. Whether he comes back in next week, we'll have to wait and see because quite often a, a medical sub that's not used is dropped the following week. But we're talking about a champion. We're talking about a legend of that footy club, yeah. a player that's driven the, the culture there for so long. It's, it's a delicate space. So I think we just watch that with interest over the next few weeks. And, and that, that's a big thing of what you just said then, driving the culture of that football club. So we, we've all heard about the Bloods, the Bloods culture, the Bloods type, and, and you need to fit into that culture, otherwise they'll kick you out of the football club. And if you look mm. at the people of the past, of a, a Brett Kirk, a Jude Bolton, and what they've stood for, he's been able to drive that culture. So everything that he would have been speaking about, everything when you talk about culture inside a football club is putting your team first, being selfless on and being selfless off the field. So for him to get captain, he'd obviously have to be really good in that area. Otherwise, the players wouldn't follow him and he wouldn't have been able to do what he's done as captain and as a senior player. So as soon as, if you've been driving that as a player, as soon as the coach comes to you and says, all right, mate, we're, we're probably looking to go a different way, um, it means probably less midfield time for you, less ball for you, probably less game time. But what it's going to do, it's going to make us a better team and it's going to, I guess, hold this sustained success that Sydney have been able to do but as far as staying in finals and, and having, a, I guess, having the whole AFL and, and players respect them. Sometimes you have to take a backward step, and considering he's been in that position to drive that football club, and when a coach does come to you, I, I, Josh Kennedy's the kind of person who goes, "Look, I, I can understand that. I can understand where the club needs to go." Where Hawthorne had a big one, Clarko was always a big one of we're only temporary custodians of a football club, and you've yeah. got to leave it in a better place than when you got there. And there's no doubt that's a mentality that Josh Kennedy would have, and that's what Josh Long, uh, that's why um, John Longmire would have loved him being captain, the kind of person he is. Well, our most recent uh, experience with this, Andy and Hodgie, is uh, Nathan Jones last year at Melbourne. Yep. So 300-game um, player, obviously legend of that football club and couldn't break into their best 22 when it really mattered in September. Um, and, you know, how did Simon Goodwin handle those conversations? Uh, and how did Nathan Jones handle those conversations? And, you know, having to play VFL or, you know, watch on the sidelines as his teammates and a club that he loves wins wins a premiership and that might be something that happens here with Kennedy. So further that um, extending this conversation Hodgie further that the, the culture aspect that, that you've raised and, and Sando's raised as well I, I reckon we've got another we've got another Petri dish type example in front of us with Peter Laddams. Peter, Peter, you talk to people around the place and people closer to Port Adelaide and they tell you that they knew Laddams had talent but he was never really committed to doing everything he could possibly do to get the talent out of himself. He, you know, maybe cut a corner here and didn't do a session there and whatever. Okay, that's that's the past. Last night, with Tom Hickey out of the team, Peter Laddams looked, oh, here we go again. 
If you're watching that game last night, admittedly there was no Nick Natanui to ruck against, but you were, and again, Hodgie, I know you didn't see the whole game, but Laddams looked locked in last night. He was clearing the footy. He was chasing down smaller opposition players. He was getting across to help. He was getting behind the footy when needed. He looked every bit. The light bulb goes off again, yeah. and we go, Sydney are doing this again. They're turning a wayward talent into another one of these Sydney project players. Well, firstly, Andy, how much would Port Adelaide love Laddams back right now? They've oh, just lost Lysette. He'd be riding it. He'd be playing tomorrow at the That's MCG. 100% right. And, you know, uh, we, we did the game last week, Andy, and he, he was poor against Cherry mm. and Goldstein he the was. previous week, Laddams. He looked, uh, looked half a yard off the – well, half a step off the speed of the game. But, gee, last night, but in, in, in the same breath, he was up against two younger yep, developing ruckmen, yep. Dixon and Williams. But – um, but God, he was good. His mm. his follow up, his aggression at the ball, um, that goal he kicked, that little banana on yes. his left, you know, where he just, you know, the the ground ball and sidestep, um, very promising. And you're right, the Swans have got a bit of a history of doing this, just, about getting a recycled player and and turning him into an A grader. And I'm, I'm I'm not jumping ahead and saying he's an A grade ruckman, but gee, last night um, he was fantastic, Laddams. Oh, have you ever spoken to Bud? I'm not asking you to tell us anything, but you know, you guys were part of a magnificent football club together, and then he goes and does what he does, and he's always looked to be a really happy footballer in, in Sydney. Not that he wasn't at Hawthorne, but he's <laughs> continued that at his at his second club. Have you ever spoken to him about the internal sort of um, atmosphere at, at, at the Swans? Um, no, not really. I think uh, whenever yeah. I've seen. Whenever I have seen Bud outside, of, uh, outside of football, he's not someone to sit back and, and pick your brain and talk about what you do in yeah. certain situations of a football club. Uh, I, I did see him um, prior to round one, and uh, and the talk was about family and how he's enjoying Sydney. Uh, nothing sort of come across about about yeah. football, but he, he he look Bud. I think he was a bit overdone with the, the pressure of Melbourne and and. I guess the media and getting into his personal life, and up in Sydney, you get that little bit of step back from from the media. Obviously, WA, South Australia, and Melbourne are obsessed with AFL, where Sydney's probably a bit more league uh, league focused. So I think he really enjoyed that side of thing. But I haven't really got in into depth yeah, conversation enough. with him. In it's a really good to... point though that Hodgie makes, Andy, about about the Sydney environment. A lot of players enjoy as, as much as they love football. They don't like to drown themselves in it, you know, weekly with yep. all the, um, I guess the pressure cooker environment here in Melbourne. It's a, probably another reason why a lot of players enjoy playing in Geelong, where mm. it f- feels like you're, you're still in Melbourne, but you're out, of, you're out of the pressure cooker, you're down the coast, you know, you're, you're surfing, you're, um, you live in Torquay. Or, mm. um, so there's, there's, there's lots of uh, attractions sometimes from playing out of a traditional market. And the Swans players often talk about, you know, doing the recovery down at Bondi or Coogee. It, it or, looks all right, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, if, they, if they play a bad game, it's not like they've really got the blowtorch turned up against them sort of thing. No one really knows. But no, winter at Bondi is a bit better than wind, uh, than oh, yeah. winter down at uh, sort Port of Willie. Yeah, yeah. Port Melbourne. It's, it's a bit <laughs> easier to cop, I reckon. Yeah. Um, hey, we better get a break out of the way. There's more from that game to have a chat about, which... Uh, we'll get to if we can. We're gearing up for today's clash at Marvel Stadium uh, between the Saints and the Sun for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small, mobile living made easy. Dometic Outdoor. The award winning crunch time. Who needs a rever? For Harley Heaven, the Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. 
visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. You know you want to. It is time for the Harley Heaven Rev Up. Luke Hodge and Brenton Sanderson with me. I'll, go, I'll give you one each. Um, Hodgie, you're the Queenslander, uh, not, not by birth, but by choice these days. Uh, we're about to watch Gold Coast take on St Kilda here at Marvel. How important is it and, um, that, that you encourage and you um, stress to these Gold Coast folks? Right, outstanding performance last week at home against the unbeaten Carlton. You've got to bring it. You've got to bring it on the road and you've got to bring it today against St Kilda. Yeah, I think that's, that's been the issue. We, we all know that Gold Coast can start uh, a season really well and I think a lot of it's got to do with the, the humidity and the conditions up in, when they play night games up in Queensland. It's a bit slippery. They, they pushed Melbourne early in the first quarter. They were leading at quarter time, but Melbourne beat them by just under two goals, I think. And then against Carlton, they were excellent. Like their, their intensity, what Took Miller does for that, for that midfield group and, and what the, the standard that he set for, for the Rows and the Andersons and the likes, um, he's, he's been excellent for them. And we spoke earlier, and Sando said how his number one go-to is King, um, the, the King mm. brothers. So to, to have him playing, um, to have him injured and then still playing the football that uh, that they've been able to play has been a great sign. But, yeah, if you don't bring it away, that's where you lose a lot of your confidence. So the first quarter is going to be uh, eyes on Gold Coast to sort of see what they can do. Um, we, we know St. Kilda are up and about, so that it's going to be a very important start for them. And then tomorrow at the MCG, uh, you don't really need to be revving up the Port Adelaide blokes. They, they've been told all week that they're about to write some unwanted club history if they if they don't get over Carlton tomorrow to be 0-5. They've never been there before. Santa, they get a couple of good players back into the side, some key senior players back into the side this week. Um, it's it's kind of now or never for Port Adelaide this season. No, it is. And the Harley heaven rev up Port Adelaide, they've... They've got some interesting outs too. You know, the Brownlow Mellist is out wines and obviously they lose their number one ruck, Lysett. Um, they bring in Sam Hayes, who, um, who's been on the list for a couple of years and just had to wait for his opportunity. But he's a good young developing ruckman, so they're not going to lose a lot there. But some good ins. Aaliyah, he'll make a massive difference down back if he's, if he's, uh, if he's coming in and having an impact in this game. And also too, Robbie Gray, such an important player. Yes, he's on the wrong, the wrong end of his career, but we know that his best is certainly good enough. But this is a... Interesting game in the coach's box because you've got Vossi, who knows Port Adelaide so well. And he'll know every little trigger that Ken Hinkley can potentially pull in this game. But Port Adelaide, and, I'm, and obviously I'm a South Australian, um, I know how much they don't handle losing. Yeah, you know? yes. This is a team, the old Port Adelaide Magpies. They used to win a premiership, you know, six out of ten years. They were, they were expected to win premierships every year. Yep. So this would be a really... Uh, difficult time to be involved at Port Adelaide when you know that that that's bubbling under the surface. They expect <laughs> yeah, yeah, success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know every every team does, but Port Adelaide are a little bit different. Andy, they they don't they're not used to being no, down no. the bottom and not winning games. So the pressure's on. And it's it's. I mean, we saw a really great defensive first quarter last week from Port, but they just couldn't score. But, uh, yeah, tomorrow's a bring-your-mouth-guards game for this one. There it is, the Harley Heaven rev-up. It's 10 minutes to one here on Crunch Time. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. My first time talking to Josh Jones from Dabble. He joins us as he does every Saturday. Good day, Josh. Uh, for those G'day, who might not be familiar pleasure. with... Yeah, what are we doing? What's, what's this Dabble all about? Explain it to us. Yeah, so Dabble is a betting app that's uh, social media meets betting. So... 
think about Twitter and instead of seeing politicians sharing their message ahead of the election or hostile takeovers from Elon Musk, what we've got is people uh, sharing their tips and uh, you can follow along to your mates and other experts as well. There you go. Now, apparently we didn't get the job done last week, but we're trying to bounce back here. We're feeling a bit better about our chances this week. What are, um, what are our crunch time, uh, time tips for this week? Yeah, that's right. So you've got St Kilda to uh, cover the line at 22.5 points there. Uh, the Tigers to get up over the Crows and the Demons to cover the line at 31.5. What, what leg are you liking in particular there, Andy? I'm worried about the Tigers, to be honest. I'm not. I'm. I, they're, they're building in there, but this Adelaide team, I reckon, uh, over there. I know their form line doesn't look good, win loss wise. Oh, but settle down, they'll pants them. You reckon they will? <laughs> you reckon Richmond will go over there and just completely poleax them? Well, you and I might have I a little chat. Yeah, how many points start? Do you, how many points start do you want to give me? If you're that confident, oh, pantsing is forty. A, oh well, I'll take that. I'll All tell you what, I'll give you right. 30, I'll take 39 you, and a half. 39 I'll give you and a half, half, I'll give you one punch in the head if it's under, <laughs> and if it's over, you, there you get two. Go. That's all he's got, Josh. He just he likes to revert to violence That's whenever he knows right. he's Especially on the losing. Especially when I've got a coward looking me when in the he's, eye. When he's on the losing end of a debate. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Andy, he's in red-hot form and he's tipping, though. Uh, everyone, he's seen him like a beach ball at the moment, aren't you, Dermy? He's calling himself the Oracle these days. Uh, Dermy, what are you liking today? Well, I've just gone for a different flavour today, and I'm going for goal kickers. So Tim Membry's going to sneak in under everyone's guard. There's going to be a lot of attention put into Big Maxi King. So Tim Membry to kick three. Well, he kicked four Tied last that week. Into, so what's that? He kicked four last week, so it's hard to Absolutely, because in King's take, But you roll them all in together, numbnuts. Right on, right on. And then you've got Shy Bolton, who's in good form. The ball's going to be down there a lot. So we'll give him a three-plus as well. And look. Melbourne to get to get the job done. We know they're going to win. Yeah. Even if he's out of form and held, Bailey Fritch will cash in by the end of the game and get a couple of it's soft ones. So just that. roll that in. And we'll get a few, get a little bit of odds value yeah. there. You roll those three in together. I reckon we're going to have to get a market on Andy versus Dermy as well. It's sounding uh, it's getting heating up in there. So if you want to follow along, you him. can just down, <laughs> download the app. Follow the Crunch Time AFL team. Follow Dermy23. Go on, have a dabble. Dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Good on you, Josh. Uh, we are just about done here on Crunch Time. Hodgie, it took, it took me 15 minutes to land a 14 to 1. Andy. Nice work, yeah. Dermot. Apologies, uh, Andy. I, uh, I, th- I think I got Dermot a little bit angry earlier in the show, so I, th- I think no. he's just taking it out on you. <laughs> no, it doesn't take, it doesn't take you much. No, much, no, it doesn't take much these it days, Hodgie. Don't you start. You've got a temper worse than all of us put together. Has your your old mob got any chance on Easter Monday, do you reckon? Oh, I saw uh, I saw Geelong, a very convincing Geelong last Friday night against the Lions, and they look very good, especially with a, a couple big ins back. So, um, look, they're playing some, some good football at times, the Hawks, but I reckon Geelong are going to be too strong. Mate, you go and have uh, a lovely uh, rest of your Easter break with your family up there, um, as is always the case. Good to see you holding him to account. And I want to say him, I mean Brereton earlier on in the program. Why do you so always point when you're just, and call him, when you're, me, him? Because sometimes saying your name just gets stuck in my throat a little bit. Uh, well done, Hodgie. Good work by you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You, you are Luke so fortunate we live in these woke times because back in the days where you say something naughty and you get a smack in the mouth, you'd be up for it. Hey, what game, other than the one that we're both working on here, we're here, you're over there doing the TV stuff today. Give me mm. a, which other game you're looking forward to for the rest of the Easter round of footy. You've already declared Richmond or Pants Adelaide. Yeah, look, Melbourne are the best team in the comp. 
and they're playing the Giants, who've got some flaws in their game. This is their last game before Toby Green comes back. But they've got to show something at stoppage. Now, Melbourne have got most areas covered. Um, and they're very good at stop with well, most areas. They're very good in every area. I'm really keen to see some of these Giants stars actually step up to the plate at the stoppage. See if they can match them there. That, that, that's a battle within that battle. I think Melbourne will get them covered quite comfortably. But I want to see if the Giants can show us something because they've got some stars in the midfield. We've got about 30 seconds, Sando. You and I will have a chat about this game here at Marvel a bit later on, but outside of today's game in 20 seconds, which one are you looking forward to? Uh, Bombers-Fremantle for me. Yeah. Must win for the Bombers. I know they obviously got on the, on the uh, winning side last week, but this Frio side might be okay. Mm. And it's a big test for them coming to Melbourne and obviously trying to beat the must-win Bombers at Marvel. All right. Frio, go you and I will do the footy yeah. together very, very shortly. Good see luck boys. to you. We'll see you during Love the week. That's Dermot McBrayer. That has been... Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. It's been crunch time. Thanks Lovely for being man. part of it this afternoon.